0: All right, we are back, episode 14 of the Between Two Pines podcast. We have myself and my lovely co-host, Zach. Uh, we're back at it again. We had a great interview last week with uh Nathan Klug, uh former wolf biologist for the state of Wisconsin. Uh it was a absolute wealth of information, and I cannot stress enough. Probably one of our best podcasts, if not the best podcast to date. Um, a lot, a lot of great information. And definitely worth, uh, you know, definitely worth the the listen. Um, but this week we got uh, our standard setup. We got a few news articles from the outdoors. We're going to talk about the QDMA, so the quality deer management, uh, the big whitetail report, which is a big uh, report that they release annually. Um, we'll get into some of the stuff that we did this week, what we're planning on doing next week. We'll go over hot gear, cold beer, and then we'll close out with Zach's cooking corner so zach let's get right into it here um what'd you do this week anything fun and exciting
1: um you know not a whole lot uh i started going fishing these last couple days i live kind of close to a lake and since missouri lifted all their license stuff i've just kind of been taking a rod and going down there and caught my first fish of the year uh i guess i was tuesday night on uh Oh, Texas rig, uh, you know, a te- Texas rig Senko and split shot on it and a little 12-inch largemouth bass, so that was nice to get out and catch that. It's been awesome during the day. I mean, it was 80 over the weekend and My it's like God. 65, 70 during the day now, but this morning it was actually chilly. It was like 35, but. I mean, it's just so choppy right now, and it seems like we're getting rain every other day, and it's we're just all flooded out. But we could take the take the good times when we can get them.
0: No, oh, yeah, absolutely. I know uh, that's amazing. It's eighty down there. Yeah, I mean, we've been getting some real good weather up here in northern Wisconsin. Um, but yeah, it's been in the fifties, something like that. But yeah, that's awesome. You're already catching largemouth. I couldn't imagine. I mean, I I would be highly surprised to catch a largemouth here right now. I mean, uh, most of our lakes are still ice, so, um, but yeah, that's, uh, it's pretty good. Anything else though? Do you, you, uh, you thinking about, uh, turkey hunting at all yet?
1: Yeah, still trying to get out and scout. Um, I don't know if I'm just, I try different spots every day and evening if I'm just out and about and I'm not really hearing too many, so. I think I just got to find other spots because they should be goblin by this time and I'm not just not hearing the number of them, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I got plenty of time yet. The season doesn't come in for another. Oh, comes in on the 20th. So it's pretty late still.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I mean, I scouted early season. I got to get back out. I've just been tinkering around and you know how it goes, especially with this, uh, this uh, quarantine thing, it's been like, eh, so you really start losing motivation to do stuff. If I'm being totally honest, I'm like, oh but, but, yeah, I mean, uh, for me this week, I didn't, uh, I really didn't do much at all. To, oh, no, I take that back. Uh, my girlfriend and I, we went out hiking at um, Dells of the Eau Claire. And uh, I guess it's like, technically, that might be Wausau. I don't know what town in Wisconsin that technically is. A little bit uh, east of Wausau. Um, The state parks are still open for like hiking and the trails and stuff. So we went up there, um, Mm -hmm. hiked that. It was super cool. The water levels are super high and there's a bunch of waterfalls there. So it was like raging waterfalls. It was really cool. Um, Yeah, just went out, did that. I've been working on this boat. I feel like every podcast we do, I'm just working on something that doesn't work effectively. Uh, and I, uh, I bought a boat a little bit ago and, uh, I've been trying to get the motor running and the motor's been a real, real persnickety. And I think for the first time in my life, I'm going to bring a small engine into a shop. I'm going to swallow my pride and just bring it in and pay someone to fix it.
1: Uh, it's a two stroke.
0: It's a two stroke. It's a, a two stroke. It's, it's a 35 Johnson two stroker. And I just do not feel like tinkering with it. I just want to get it out on the water. And the other thing is I want it to be reliable, especially because this is going to be going on my hunt, my main hunting and fishing boat. And, uh, you know, it is, you know, I don't want to be tinkering with it out on the water like I want it to be looked at by someone who actually knows what the heck they're doing. Not saying that I don't, but I'd rather someone that has taken some classes and has dealt with this motor before look at it, you know.
1: Yeah, as far as two strokes go, if it's not the carburetor, the gas lines, or a spark plug, you got a bigger problem on your hands.
0: Well, exactly. And that's, you know, I've, I'm have i not super, I mean, small engines, I consider myself extremely well-versed in small engines. But these marine motors are kind of a different beast because, you know, the timing actually changes as you use a throttle. There's, uh, you know, there's all sorts of weird stuff that, uh, that goes into them that a typical small engine doesn't do, so. I pulled the carb, rebuilt the carburetor, put a new impeller on it, um, you know, did all the did all the standard stuff and it still isn't running right. I mean it runs, but it doesn't run right. And I'm I'm at the point I'm like, I'm gonna have to swallow my pride, take my twelve hundred dollar check from Trump and spend it on getting my motor fixed.
1: Thanks, Don. <laughs>
0: yeah, thanks, Donny boy. I'm gonna get me out on some ducks. Uh
1: you know yeah, one uh one tricky thing with the carbs that I didn't really think about until one of my buddies actually fixed it was the float in the inside of the carb just needed to get replaced. And that was the whole problem with his motor. Have you looked at the float at all?
0: Oh, I replaced everything. I rebuilt the entire. I mean, the only thing that was I did the jets, the, uh, you know, the jets, the float, uh, clean the hell out of it, put new Welsh plugs in it, um, you know, but this this is also a what year is it 2020 so it's a 40 year old motor so who knows i mean i did the standard stuff but really i just want a motor that runs good that i'm not going to mess with that i can just trust enough to to bring out not have any problems like i have my 15 horse that is a two-stroke that runs like a top you do you look at you look at that thing wrong and it starts up it's got a pull start on it dude you do a quarter rotation on that uh, on the pull start and it it is already fired up ready to go so um yeah so it's kind of you know i don't know i'd rather just have somebody that's qualified look at it and be done with it so i could take it out and especially which i'll probably start posting on the insta or on our instagram is i'm planning on doing a full um conversion or modification to my john boat i'm gonna put a deck on it i'm gonna wire all my electronics like i'm gonna make it a, a decent hunting fishing boat you know rather than just your typical uh basic bare bones John boat so good deal yeah yeah but yeah, it's uh, kind of yeah.
1: hard it's kind of hard to get too riled up about anything especially with well just with everything that's going on and having the same boat as you it's just hard to find motivation most days especially since you and I are still working it's just kind of hard to come home and get out after it even though the days are getting nicer and stuff like that which by the way too uh, the ticks are starting to come out so that's another thing where I really don't like being outside for
0: yeah yeah around here I mean like when we were hiking up in uh, like I said by Wasa I mean anywhere in the woods there was still four inches of snow on the ground when you're in the woods out out in the open there's no snow and the grass is starting to grow but if you get into the woods there's still tons of snow so yeah, don't have to worry about ticks quite yet. But yeah, so well, uh, did you want to get into these uh, these news articles here?
1: Yeah. Um,
0: well, I'll I'll let you lead the way here.
1: Okay. Um, well, for this first one, I don't know if we brought it up last week or not, but with all the craziness going on in the world today, the state of Washington actually put a ban on fishing. Um, the governor really seemed to be lenient towards it like other states that started out to be but um, they noticed a lot of congregation and things like that and the governor of Washington basically said like well you guys blew your chance to have nice things. So This is uh,
0: why we can't have nice things. Just stay six feet apart. jeez.
1: Yeah. So um, I think they said by April until April 6th, but then it's going to be up for uh, review. So especially now with uh, the pushback and uh, the quarantining or social distancing until the end of April, I'm sure this will get pushed back as well. Or maybe it'll give them a second shot. Who knows?
0: Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's very interesting, and I could, uh, I could go on a long rant about all of this, uh, you know, w- what I think about the situation currently facing the U.S., but I won't. But what I will say is the more, at least in my opinion, the more you take away things that uh, people can do, uh, you know, the more revolt you're going to get, it's kind of like the, uh, you know, the, uh, the teenage uh, girl, you know, you have a teenage daughter and she brings home the guy that you don't like. Well, if you say you don't like him, she's going to want to date him more. It's the same thing with, if you take stuff away, the more people are going to want to just go out and do it. And I think this is one of those situations where fishing is one of the few outlets that people have to get out of their house. And now that you've taken this away, this, um, I could see this backfiring very quickly.
1: Yeah. And I wonder, I don't think it said it in any article I saw, but I wonder what the ramifications of getting caught are. I wonder if they, uh, they said they're going to enforce closures, but I wonder if it's some kind of new regulation that they're just dropping or if it's just like, uh, you know, uh, they just call it trespassing or something.
0: Yeah, that's a good question. What do they hit you with? Do they hit you with a you know? Is there going to be a new law in the books? I think, I think a lot of these places are just um, you know. And I could say working in the in the government sector, I could say a lot of this is you know. And I don't know if you can if you're see is seeing the same thing with your job, but a lot of this is flying by the seat of our pants. This has never been seen before. So, are, do you add a new regulation, or is it kind of like a hey, you're fishing, come in, you can't fish? Or is it like, well, if you're already out there, we don't care. So, you know, and I was, uh, I was talking to a police officer buddy of mine, and he was saying that they're, you know, they're instructed to minimize the amount of contacts that they make, you know, if if unnecessary, they're not going to make any contacts. So, is this one of those things where you just go, oh, he's already out on his boat. Just leave him out there so that I don't have to get in contact with him. I don't know.
1: Yeah, if you're in Washington and you're already fishing, just walk towards the officer coughing.
0: <laughs> just run at him with your hands out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good way to get shot today, but. <laughs> yeah,
1: that too. Just stay inside, yeah. people.
0: Just stay inside. I know this is an outdoor podcast, but just stay inside. Make some fishing lures. Work on your calls. Go out. Once your turkey tag comes up or your turkey season comes up, just go out, shoot your turkey, run back inside. That's it. The turkeys don't know. Right. Well, and actually, here here's it. Well, actually, I'll let you get into uh, this, this next topic here before I touch on uh, what I'm thinking.
1: Yeah, well, that rolls into the the next article I got and that's state of Nebraska is a uh, stopping sale to non-resident Turkey hunters uh, stopping the tag purchasing of non-resident Turkey hunters. They just, like you said, they're, everybody's flying by the seat of their pants and they're just trying to stop all this uh, 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 like m- moving around and people just, Jumping from state to state and stuff like that, I think. It's just kind of the main thing they're trying to accomplish here. But it's just kind of crazy because Illinois, too. Illinois, I think I heard if you applied for an Illinois turkey tag and all their state ground is shut down and you're planning on hunting state ground, Illinois is not giving you a refund for any of that. So...
0: that's great. Yeah, to, I'm, I am I will say as a native Illinoisan or as someone that is uh, born in Illinois, and Zach, I think you could, can agree, are you surprised in the slightest that Illinois would take your money and not give you something for it?
1: If uh, Illinois can pocket $7 from a couple people, it's going to do it.
0: <laughs> they will gladly do it with a smile on their face. So, yeah, I'm not surprised with that at all. But I did, and I'd like to hear your thoughts on this in regards to hunting uh, during COVID. <coughs> oh, God. Oh, geez. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> um, with hunting during COVID, do you think hunting is actually going to improve during COVID? I feel like this is probably going to be one of the better years for hunting. Think, about, think about how quiet the woods are, are right now.
1: Yeah, I mean... I've actually thought the exact opposite because everybody's home and a lot of people are laid off. They're going to be wanting to get into the woods.
0: Yeah, but think, like, I know, what like, I don't know. I I guess there's two schools of thought on that because my thought is, is I know a lot of people that are not even willing to go. Like, I went out hiking, and there was, you know, there was a handful of people there. Um, but I feel like people are just straight up afraid to leave their houses at all. And in a lot of places, they're not even allowed to leave their houses. So I wonder, is this going to quiet the woods enough to, you know, may- maybe make better hunting for Turkey or whatever? I mean, even think about how how many less cars there are in the road because people are working from home or not, you know, not going grocery shopping or whatever. I feel like even road noise is, is down. I don't know. It's a very, it, it's going to be interesting to see.
1: Yeah, and I'm sure once you get more towards, like, cities and suburban areas and stuff like that, that is a lot more noticeable. But I know in, like, a couple counties north of me, they had to, like, put in a a really quick order to shut down one of the state parks because a bunch of people were parked, you know, bumper to bumper to bumper, hundreds of people gathering in the state park because they had nothing better to do.
0: Huh. Yeah I don't, so I
1: don't it's think kind of you could I could see it from both ends but I think people especially and too, you could look at it from being down here like I said it was it's been 60s, 70s 80s these last week people are getting stir crazy it's probably it's time to get out for a lot of people
0: Yeah yeah and you wonder how many guys now uh, well, I shouldn't say guys I should say hunters How many hunters now, like I think of the turkey season, at least in Wisconsin, you know, you get set dates where you can hunt, you know, it's a, you know, it's only, I think, what is the turkey tag in Wisconsin? I think it's nine days you get, or maybe seven days you get on your, on your license.
1: It depends Uh, on what season you pick.
0: Yeah. And I got D, so I'm late season because I forgot to apply, but um, yeah, so I think my season's a week. Well, a lot of guys if it was typical circumstances may just have the weekend to hunt well now they may be working from home or not working at all and now they can hunt all seven days of their turkey season
1: yeah exactly
0: so you may see largely um inflated uh, harvest numbers too because uh guys and gals can get out a lot more
1: yeah oh. I, I don't know i know uh A lot of guides and outfitters and things like that are really starting to hurt, too. People are pulling their deposits and things like that. So I think the fall will be where it really gets interesting because then that's the direct response to people's economic uh, happenings right now. Then maybe they won't be traveling in the fall because they have to play catch up and stuff like that once we get to that point of the year
0: that is going to be very, very interesting to see the, uh, you know, the monetary implications that this has on, on hunters and the, you know, not to get too political, but the country at large, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be very interesting to see, but let's, uh, I think that's enough on the doom and gloom of COVID-19. Let's lead into this next one, Zach.
1: Yeah, I was just looking, uh, we're just looking at this one article from, uh, well, I think it's the Springfield newsletter. I think it's just all Ozark news here in Missouri or Missouri. Um, this one guy.
0: Yeah, you're, you're one of them. You're
1: one of them now. No, <laughs> I'm turning into one of them. Uh, Lake Como caught the new state record brown. Austin, if you had to choose a word or sentence to describe this brown, what would you say?
0: Um, I would, (laughs) I'd say it's thick with two C's.
1: Ooh, no K either.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it is, it is thick. It is a very thick trout. Yeah. It looks, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, oh, I didn't catch this here. Well, you could, yeah, let's, let's hear, I want to hear your thoughts on this.
1: Yeah. Um, so the fish weighed out at 40 pounds, six ounces um beating the previous record by nearly 6 pounds um but that's yeah, not about... the, that's not the whole reason why we brought up this article the biggest thing is all the controversy that it is a triploid fish which means it was born and raised up in a hatchery triploid trout are missing their i believe it's one of their dorsal fins maybe
0: i think they they clipped their adipose fin
1: Adipose fin, that's it, yeah. Um, so, the previous record, I believe, was uh, normal so trout.
0: Yeah, and it was 28 pounds. was a previous record, and that was a, uh, a natural trout.
1: Okay, 28 pounds. Yeah, so then uh, this triploid trout, or uh, stocked, released trout, breaks this record. And the controversy is, does this belong to as saying that it beat the previous state record brown trout, which was a natural trout. You know? It's triploid because so when they raise raise them up in fish farms or just stock ponds, these fish don't... uh, They're sterile. That's just the type of stock that they have so that they grow fast and they can just get pumped out into your water bodies. So... I guess that's a question is do we hold these to the same standard as natural fish? What do you think?
0: Uh, that is, I think, uh, what I will say is that I think this is going to be something that the, you know, the, the national, what is it? The national, uh, world or fish hall of fame, is that what it is up in uh, Hayward? That they're the ones that keep all of the, the records for fish. Um, I think this is something that they're going to have to address in general for all records fish. Because you think about salmon, even on the Great Lakes, you think about salmon and trout in various waterways in a lot of different states, just probably just about every state for trout. Um, And there's a lot of other ones, too. Like, you know, I know we do sturgeon breeding in Wisconsin. I know we do trout. I know we do salmon.
1: Think of all the muskies that get released every year
0: muskies tiger muskies that are bred in captivity and then you know released um i think this is something that's going to have to be addressed what i do think i don't know i'm very torn about this because there's a um you know i think you are equally as likely to catch a a natural fish as you are a uh you know a captive bred fish because i think you know fish Are one of those. Unlike mammals, I think they become, if you want to call it, naturalized or feral. I think they really don't have the brain capacity to, you know, show difference in, um, uh, you know, behavior as much. But at the same time, you know, you're almost getting like lab lab grown fish. You know, it's like uh, that's a very tricky one. And my gut tells me you should have your own there should be its own category that's what my gut tells me or at least or at least it should have an asterisk next to it where you have you know it's almost like a typical and a non-typical buck you know like you say oh you know well this is the non-typical category this is the typical it would be this is the natural category and this is the farm raised category and then you could still get a state record but it would just be in a different category what do you think
1: I think that's a really good way of putting it. Like you said, too, in my gut, right off the bat, when I think about it, it feels a little dirty. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, after thinking it through, I mean, I don't know the exact life cycle of triploid trout. So, catching a 40 pound, six ounce triploid brown trout could be just as, if not more, rare than catching a, a 28 pound wild brown trout in that same region you know so i think that's a good way of looking at it is you definitely need to separate them because it's a lot more impressive for a natural fish naturally produced fish to get up into those records and that's something that needs to be recorded but it's also fun to uh record these triploid fish because then you also look at it like that fish might be very rare because if they're stocking in these lakes, that means that they're taking out high densities. That means a lot of them are getting harvested or dying off. So, you know, this is a marvel to look at that it made it to 40 pounds, six ounces in a place that needed to get stocked with them. So I think that definitely needs to get recognized, but I don't think you can make it so that it's trumping a naturally grown fish.
0: Yeah. And, and I think this is something that, um that needs to be addressed and, you know, maybe we can, uh, we'll have to look into, maybe we'll get an expert to, to weigh in on this. Cause I think this would be a very interesting topic to talk about and, you know, and, uh, and, and long, long, have a long winded conversation about this. But yeah, I think I, it's a big fish. It's a highly impressive fish, but you know, I think there may need to be an asterisk next to this, uh, this record.
1: Yeah. So, all you fisheries nerds, give us a call.
0: Yeah, exactly. give Give us a call. But uh, I think that's uh, that's all we got for the news. Is uh, if I'm looking at this correctly, I think that's all we got for the news. Um, do you want to get into the main topic here? And I want you as the wildlife specialist on between two pines. I think you can uh, lead the way and and be my spirit guide through this.
1: Uh, yeah. It's uh. I'll try my best.
0: <laughs> That's all. Um, I can.
1: So basically the quality deer management association is just, uh, I forget if they're, they're just like your, every other conservation organization, pheasants forever ducks unlimited, all those, um, it's just for deer management. So they have like management strategies, harvest, uh, objectives, things like that to not only benefit your property for whitetails, but benefit your property for everything else that kind of the trickle down management strategies that help with everything in the area. Um, That's kind of who they are as a whole. Every year they release their um, whitetail report. And so this is their 2020 report. But it's for the 2018-2019 season because, I mean, we just had seasons wrap up down south in late February of this year. So they just can't pump it out fast enough because this comes out in February of every year. So they just kind of have to go off of last year's numbers once they're all compiled. So this is of the 2018-2019 season. So this is last fall. Nope, two falls ago.
0: No, uh, 2018, 2019, yeah. So this would have been not this previous. This was not this last season. It's the one before it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so. A
1: yeah, lot, but, it uh, looks like a lot of good stuff came out of it, Austin. What jumped out at you first? I know you got the the uh, yeah, I, I, the thing I downloaded.
0: It, I got it pulled up, and you know one of the things. Um, that kind of stuck out to me which i was uh i was pretty impressed with was the uh the amount of uh deer per what was it per 100 hunters um and i i mean some of these states i was like goodness gracious, south carolina had 79 deer harvested per 100 hunters 79% so
1: 70, success rate
0: that is insane to me That is absolutely insane. Which I mean, their numbers were not um, outright. Well, I mean, they definitely had high numbers 109,000 that were harvested. So they had a 15% increase from 2017 2018 to 2019 2020. Um, So they had a a pretty significant uh, increase. But goodness gracious, I mean, 79% success rate in Texas with 69. (laughs) percent success rate um so yeah i mean those numbers were that that's what really stood out to me and i mean most of the other states to me um at least in the the midwest region were pretty much around what i suspected 25 to you know 40 percent was and that's the range i expected but yeah the uh, 79 percent success rate in south carolina goodness
1: yeah, so it really jumped out to me, and this was the biggest deal about this whole uh, report this year, was the age structure. And if you take a look at a, at a map or a chart, in 2001, it looks like roughly 48-49% of bucks killed were one-and-a-half-year-old bucks or spikes, forks, whatever they come out yeah. to be. And fast forward to the 2018, 2019 season. It is the newest record low. 30% of bucks harvested were one and a half years. That means 70% of bucks were of over one and a half. So two and a half and older adult age, which is just unbelievable to see.
0: Yeah. And, um, and Arkansas only saw 9% of their harvest was, uh, yearlings. So I thought that was kind of, uh, was kind of interesting. And then you had Wisconsin on the other hand, which big, big ups to Wisconsin. And as a deer hunter in Wisconsin, I know that guys and gals will shoot anything. Uh, it was 53%. Where they showed the highest of uh, yearling bucks, but nonetheless, um, Zach, and, and you know more about this than I do. What's the benefit of harvesting yearlings versus non-yearling bucks?
1: Um, well, just to go back on the Wisconsin harvesting a lot of those little bucks, it's just kind of, I just have to say it because, you know, you talk to a lot of deer hunters in Wisconsin, and they tell you what a crap job the Wisconsin DNR did at managing deer but then you look at numbers like this and the, the managers are the people with the guns in their hands. So it just kind of, it puts it all into perspective that, you know, um, the hunters really, really take a giant part of, uh, you know, all the objectives are set for a reason, but the, the hunters are really what it boils down to. And, they, the season reflects what they do. So it's just, they, it's, it's just makes a total sense that they, uh, they're complaining, but their scapegoat work- is just to, to the DNR.
0: Yeah, exactly. And that, and that at the end of the day, like you said, is the, you know, they could set guidelines, you know, the DNR or the Department of Fish and Wildlife or whatever you have in your area, they could set, you know, guidelines and laws regarding, um, you know, just, uh, what you are allowed to harvest. But if you're someone, like I mentioned before in Wisconsin, I'm not saying that this is a good or a bad thing. I know people are very adamant in Wisconsin, and maybe this is more so than other states is the, the big thing is just putting meat in the freezer, just put meat in the freezer well, if alls you do is just put meat in the freezer, guess guess what, you're not going to have big bucks. If alls you take is yearlings, well, you're going to have nothing but yearlings.
1: Yeah, 53% yeah. of bucks harvested in Wisconsin were yearling bucks.
0: Yeah, and then they wonder why counties do earn a buck. You know, that's that's how this happens.
1: Yeah, and they also Wisconsin also had the lowest percentage of three and a half year old bucks shot, sixteen percent.
0: Yeah, it's uh, yeah, and it is interesting. So if you look at uh, and if you look at the other numbers too, which I thought was kind of interesting, is uh, Wisconsin had, and let me double check this. <clears throat> so Wisconsin also had the third highest amount of deer harvested as well. So that just goes to show. You know, maybe Wisconsinites are are shooting anything they could see, which, I'm. you know, that's neither good nor bad, but it is what it is. You know, it's just those are the numbers, which it looks like the highest was uh, Texas with 508,000, but also, you know, that's a substantially larger state. And then you have uh, Michigan at number two, I believe. Uh, and then Pennsylvania was up there as well, but yeah, Wisconsin's at 160,000. So it basically yeah. goes te- Texas, Michigan, Wisconsin is the order that it goes. And it looks like,
1: and Texas is kind of funny too, because like one giant ranch owner can just get given a hundred deer tags to reach his management objectives.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. And that's another thing I was going to mention is Texas, maybe a, a little bit inflated in the sense that I wonder if the high fence, farms go into that into that data which I would assume that they would
1: yeah so from my understanding uh, just to, real quick for Texas is you just get a DNR person to come out and observe your property and then they reach a management objective with you and say oh I want 85 deer taken out of your property for objectives and then the landowner can shoot all 85 or he can actually sell his 85 tags himself to other people
0: yeah. So yeah, there's there's sad. a
1: lot of there's a lot of Wild West shoot 'em up type of stuff going on in Texas.
0: Yeah. Could you imagine? Yeah. Just like you need to shoot 85 deer on your property, I'd be like, "Cool. Let me yeah. let me go get the let me go get the bazooka." <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, it is kind of interesting these statistics, but I think you make a very very valid point about Wisconsin uh, scapegoating the DNR because I think that happens quite a bit um and i know last week we talked to nathan and he kind of reflected on some other things too where you know the dnr becomes the scapegoat with the deer for a lot of things whether it's wolves or you know how they're managing wolves is taking away the deer or how they're managing uh deer is taking away the big bucks but really at the end of the day it's uh it's the hunters
1: yeah i'm looking at these charts too and i'm looking at missouri and they were fifth on the list for antlered buck harvests. And I think they're fourth or fifth on the list for antler deer harvests. And, um, I don't know. I think where I, I live right now, I think there's way too many deer and we actually need to shoot more. So, uh, it's just kind of a, kind of an interesting case study for me to live in a bunch of different places. And I lived in Iowa that, uh, I mean, it's the best, buck hunting state in the country but it's just kind of rest towards that bottom third of the of the harvest because it's nobody they don't have the amount of hunters and they don't have the amount of harvest so just kind of cool to which, see around
0: which zach i know this is not pertinent but i just want you to brag about